0: Whoa, well, whoa, well, well. And uh, we're excited that you're joining us on the Chief Chats. This is the IFC's podcast series, and I'm Tom Jenkins. I'm the fire chief in Rogers, Arkansas, and I'm also the former IFC president in 2017 and 2018. And this podcast, the third in our series, is about a very important topic to the fire service in the United States and really abroad, and that's the executive fire officer program. And so we're lucky to be uh, joined today by some guests who will be introduced in a few moments uh, about – that will talk about the – Executive Fire Officer Program, what's going on at the National Fire Academy, and also what's going on uh, with our Executive Fire Officer section uh, within the IASC. And I'm joined, of course, by my good friend and co-host, Sheldon Gilbert. Thanks,
1: Chief. It's good to be here this morning. I'm real uh, excited to talk about the National Fire Academy's Executive Fire Officer Program um, as, a, as a graduate of that, uh, a few Decades back, I'm pretty excited to hear the changes and what's going on and how we're preparing the executive leadership for the fire service of the future. Um, we have some great guests this morning uh, we have went straight to the to the source of, of the information and, and we have the uh, superintendent of the USFA uh, tanya chief Tanya Hoover uh, I've had the privilege of working with chief Hoover for for many years as a as a municipal fire marshal and an assistant state fire marshal and then the state fire marshal in California and and now that privilege continues as I get to better understand and be a part of, of what she's doing at the national level to, to help with our executive leadership training and we're also joined by Assistant Chief uh, William Hyde from the rogers arkansas fire department i'm I'm sorry I've heard about your chief, but uh, other than that, it looks like it's a great <laughs> gig there and uh now uh, with all seriousness, he's done a great job being involved in the uh, executive fire officer section and and working uh with the group that helped have input on the changes to the eFO program. And so we're going we're to talk with both of these highly qualified professional individuals and, and learn a lot about what the future of executive leadership looks like uh, in the fire service.
0: So we want to start off with our uh, superintendent of the National Fire Academy, and we're all really proud of you, Tanya, because you've done a, just a wonderful job. Well, you've done a wonderful job pretty much uh, wherever you've worked. And, of course, as an Oklahoma State alum, which I have to point <laughs> out, uh, I think you're extra awesome. Um, but, uh, but, but we're proud of what you're doing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thanks I'll probably get a demerit from uh, Terry for doing that but um, I, I do appreciate uh, all the things and the fire service appreciates all the things that you've done uh, not, not just in the state of California but also for the fire service as a whole so in, in a world of uh, change and all the things we have to do I wanted to start off with you just telling us you know why did we change some of the process For the EFO program and and what was the the kind of metamorphosis there if you can kind of walk us through that and what was the 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 check boxes we had to go through to make changes to the EFO program
2: well chief thanks so much and and thank you uh, both of you for the opportunity to talk about the new revised EFO program here at the National Fire Academy it's been a whirlwind uh, short to 24 months from the time we started this process to where we are today and there's still a lot of work that's going into this new EFO. What really drove this um, desire to revise EFO was student input as well as past EFO graduates. Uh, that had made comments for a number of years, were were very vocal in what they believed Fire and Emergency Medical Services uh, leadership should look like, be involved with, and have. And so through um, a process with our Board of Visitors, we were able to take those comments uh, and insight as well as comments from the Board of Visitors and start crafting this new EFO.
1: So, Chief, the... Um the program went from its traditional four-year model with applied research papers and um, uh, something that many, many of us have went through and, and found great benefit with, and you've, you've made some fundamental changes to it and, and shortening it and, and um, moving to some different ways of doing um, the applied research to a thesis um, and cohort learning and those kind of things. Could you run us through the, the, the big-picture changes and what you hope to accomplish or why you, why you moved to that approach?
2: Sure. This is different. And, and first off, anyone that isn't a current EFO graduate should still and should be very proud of the work and th- that accomplishment. This in no way, the rework of the EFO in no way should ever take away from that. And, and I always look at what goes on at you know, higher education. It, within higher education, degrees get evaluated and um, changed Uh, About every five years, um, it it gets a refresh. And with the executive fire officer, it was our time for a refresh with the idea that modeling that after higher education where I can go get a, for example, you can go get your master's in 24 months. Some people have done it in less time. Uh, they can crunch their courses together, not take breaks between. Their family calls them bad names because their attention span is reduced. Oh, wait a minute. We're talking about the EFL. Um, but what, what we've done is modeled it after higher education where in, in 24 months I can go through my executive fire officer program by taking courses throughout the 24 months, having both mediated online courses when I'm not on campus and then coming back to campus for those residency classes and that's going on twice a year And during that time period you know when you mentioned about the four papers and uh, folks had their applied research papers to do there is still a lot of writing and a lot of research that's going into this two-year EFO people will still be doing papers they will still be doing research But at the end, all of that comes together for one thesis level paper on what they've been working through, interwoven through the two years. So there's no standalone courses. Um, Every course is connected to the mediated or connected to the, the next residency course that they'll be taking. Um, until you get to that end of that that last visit to campus where you'll have that opportunity to present that thesis level paper that you've basically been working on and through over the last two years it, it's really falling the, the EFO is falling in line with higher ed and I, I have to say that you know the the whole idea behind the EFO as always is the leadership qualities, that strategic thinking, and so that strategic thought process is really woven through um, the entire program.
0: So, Chief Hoover, um, you know, one of the one of the things that caught my attention besides the thesis, and I'm I'm curious what that the defense of it is, kind of what that looks like, and. And I'm sure there's probably people that will be listening to this podcast that will be considering EFO, and that's why they download it and listen to it. And so I'm sure they might you know, they kind of get nervous when you start thinking about your average uh, you know, upcoming fire officer now defending a thesis. I think that's intimidating to some folks. But I'm also interested to hear your comments on the cohort learning and what exactly that means and, and, and what kind of change you think that will create within the program.
2: Tom, let's talk a little bit about that thesis, and and I don't want anyone to be afraid to enter EFO because they're concerned about the thesis process. One of the the items that we recognize here is that we all need uh, assistance from time to time to accomplish a task, and that thesis is no different. So what we've done within the program is we have increased our student touch points where um, we've, in, we've increased interaction with our students as they work through that thesis paper, that one paper that they will then present to a group of individuals um, on campus in, that, in their last residency program. So when someone's thinking about, oh, my gosh, I've got to write this big thesis paper, I've never done a thesis, we're here to help, and they won't be going that alone. Uh, So there will be continuous touch points for a student with someone that that can guide them through the whole 24-month program. They'll they'll actually have someone that's going to walk through the program with them, and that includes helping them with their thesis work and helping them with their research work. Also, before they even enter the program, they've got some work to do on the front end, and that is they're going to take a uh, mediated online class about research and about uh, writing papers and using research. So they really get a jump start before they even enter the program. So that's the, that's the thesis. And anyone that's interested in EFO, I don't want them to be afraid just because of a thesis paper. It, it's like taking four years, taking those four papers now, which are three papers, and rolling it all together into one big paper that you're going to present which current EFO students that are in the current fourth-year program now are already doing. They're presenting their premier paper in front of a group of individuals. So, uh, you know, questions with the thesis, we're here to help folks right off the bat. The idea behind the cohort learning, and it it, it was something that actually we had talked about for a a long time and, to be honest, we're a little hesitant of because we didn't want folks to get into that mode of, only sticking with their, their own pack, and that by sticking with their own pack, there would be less of an interaction outside. What we found in the cohort learning is because of the way the EFO is set up, because the way the National Fire Academy is set up, there is still exposure to so many different people, so many different trains of thought. The idea behind the cohort is to move those folks together, those 25 folks will move through the two-year program together. They'll be on campus together, they'll, they'll do their mediated together, they'll function as that, that class, um, you might say. At the same time, we at NFA and through the, rest, and through the other courses and other programs will open up um, avenues, the hope is to open up avenues, so that those cohorts are not just sharing within their cohort, but they're sharing outside with the other classes and um, the other deliveries here on campus and off campus. That can be a challenge for someone because basically when you come in as a cohort, you're committing 24 months. And you're you're scheduling four on-campus opportunities in a two-year period. And so for some folks, you know, scheduling vacations and, and things of that nature, they, they're going to really, you know, this is that paying attention to the calendar, I call it, thing, that if you're scheduled to travel with your cohort, we want you to keep together as your cohort recognizing that there's a commitment for 24 months for certain, certain weeks of that year. Now, sometimes things do happen, and so we do recognize that someone that's in maybe cohort A may have to switch to cohort B. Cohort B will be doing about the same thing as cohort A is doing. So they won't be with their peer group, but they will be doing basically the same type of work. I hope that helped folks understand what that whole co- cohort's idea is about. And that was one of the driving uh, requests we found from students, is they wanted to be able to travel through the program with their folks that they came in on the first year and developed these relationships with, and that those relationships carried through the four years. They wanted to see that same thing happen in the revised EFL.
1: That, that is helpful, Chief, and that's great. And I really like the fact that, uh, students will have participants will have a mentor of some sort who can walk with them through this and and uh, help them uh, achieve what they need to get done and, and make it a meaningful experience. Uh, I think that's really good and it's consistent with what we always tell each other about succession planning and learning by doing and seeing. So that's great. Um, I have one one other quick kind of thirty thousand foot question. When I when I look at the uh, you know, the vision for the new um, EFO approach. I, I see some great terms in here about um, culture and, and demographics and process improvement and oral defense and what I've traditionally called kind of the intangible leadership skills. Uh, we have for a long time been told that we, we, we do uh, train great uh, practitioners and, and tactician folks, but we don't necessarily um, bring out the intangible leadership skills where those types of things that I just mentioned is where we as fire chiefs spend most of our time time. Hmm. So what, uh, what helped you bring that to the surface, and how do you feel that this is going to help equip people with those kind of intangible leadership skills that you may not find in a management book, but you're going to spend a lot of your time addressing these issues?
2: That's a really good question. We had the opportunity to go speak to a number of organizations, both because those organizations are part of the Board of Visitors. Uh, as well as spend some time with um, city managers, county administrators, ask them what do they want to see in leadership, in, in their leadership. And there were some key points that came out of that. Uh, things like, yes, they, you know, an understanding of command and control is important. But things like statesmanship, being part of a bigger team than just a unit, understanding both, I call it the big P and little p, politics, Um, and then how to be able to negotiate through the needs of an entire community versus just um, a piece of that being, you know, the responsibility as a fire chief, and so we took those comments and really rolled that up into the EFO program values and beliefs that really encompass, and this is not as much different than what the current EFO is. We've, we've probably articulated it a little better now. But that self-awareness through reflection, uh, we all know that we need to know ourselves in order to know the outside. That concept of lifelong learning, uh, just because I'm a chief or just because I want to be a chief or I'm going to be one doesn't mean that I stop learning when I hit that mark or constantly learning that that concept of whole community that integration of where fire and ems that organization fits into the whole community dynamics we can't speak enough about partnerships and how to sustain those partnerships beyond just my geographical boundaries um, or just the boundaries of my county's politics but how i build partnerships to strengthen whole community Um, the support the open dialogue Key components: the respect of diversities of opinions. We we say around here at the uh, USFA that if there's a day when we all agree, we need to step back, because there's no way we can all agree. There's got to be something else that we're missing. And so that understanding of diversified opinions that people need to be willing to speak up. They need to uh, to ha- it's okay to have different in- opinions and work through those. And then. You know, strengthening our culture of healthy and safe of healthy and a safe environment. Um, what does that mean, both physically and psychologically? And so all of this is rolling up into what is leadership? What is that? As you put it, the thirty thousand foot level. You know, these are all the things that we develop as leaders. You know, you mentioned a management book. There's there's that difference between managing and leading and we're trying to pull all of the things that we've learned in management and all of those things that we learn as we look at self and look at a whole community and roll that up into the executive fire officer program or as some folks have started to say the executive officer because we know that we are so much more than fire
1: that is fabulous that is great and um, i think it's really a lot of executive leadership truth in what you just said there and I have no doubt we're preparing ourselves better for the for the leadership team of the future. So, Chief Hyde, let's let's bring you into the conversation here a little bit. And um, for those that don't know, the Executive Fire Officer section um, does a lot of great work around executive leadership, not only <clears throat> with the uh, EFO program but with other executive leadership initiatives. And one of their one of their elements of their mission statement is to promote best practices for succession planning and executive fire officer leadership. And, and Chief, I know that you were involved in the, the committee that that helped with some of this uh, input that got us to this place where this program is moving, and I thought maybe you could share with us a few minutes what the role of of the EFO section was and is going to be as this moves forward.
3: Yes, sir. We were very honored, uh, of course, with the the name being in our title, um, very honored and humbled that the the superintendent and the entire staff welcomed us into all of their subcommittees that uh, formed this new EFO program. There were four different working groups in the, in the section. The EFO section was uh, very conscious to make sure that we had involvement in every one of those working groups. And Chief Hoover might be able to tell us exactly how many different stakeholder groups were involved. Uh, Chief, I, I want to say that there were at least 20 different stakeholder groups.
2: At least. <laughs> many.
3: And, and uh, you know, we, uh, we were happy to be involved there. Um, you know, there they they were monthly sessions um, for every one of those groups. After each session, everyone would go back, take notes, come back with input, and the staff was very receptive. And I, I uh, Chief Weaver, I'd, I'd, I'd have to say that some of our ideas were not popular with staff. And one of those um, was the cohort concept. If <laughs> I'm right.
2: Yes.
3: <laughs> so uh, it, it was it was critical for us. Um, you know, men, many members of the EFO section are also graduates of the IFC's Fire uh, Service Executive Development Institute. And the biggest benefit that we've had from having experience in both different programs actually came from the FESB program. And that was, it was a cohort program. And we felt that it would translate perfectly to all uh, EFO students in the future. And thankfully through Chief Hoover's leadership, um, and and might I add here that uh, there was a governmental shutdown, a federal government shutdown during our process. And, uh, that could have really lost traction, but um, and when, when Chief Hoover earlier mentioned that, that we're only 24 minutes into this process, I'd, I'd like to note that uh, 12 months ago is when the Board of Visitors made the presentation or, or, or accepted the, the changes. So it's been in redevelopment for 12 months, but uh, even through a governmental shutdown through Chief Hoover's leadership, uh, we did not lose any traction th- through that shutdown. And we walked away with the cohort pro- concept in the program.
2: I got to tell you, the team is awesome here. I I just get to sit in the big chair, as I like to say, because the team has they are committed to making sure this program represents what you all, as the subcommittees, wanted to see, and what our stakeholders, the incoming students, and current and past DFOS believe to be important in the program. So I, I got to give credit to you all and to the team.
0: Well, I think it's fantastic to see the synergy between the section. I think that. The, the EFO sections, want of uh, all of our sections, do a lot of great work in their particular areas, and so I, I think it's commendable, Chief Hyde, and certainly the Chief Lorber and the other people that uh, you know form the leadership group within the section. That, that you know you're just so intimately involved in what's going on at the federal level, and you're influencing change at the National Fire Academy, and um, you know that that effort's not lost on all of us. So, Chief Hyde, let's kind of get into our normal roles, right? We have people within our department here in Rogers that are in various stages of the EFO program and the MO program, for that matter. And um, yeah, a fair question that I, I probably uh, asked you throughout this process when we were talking in my office is for the chiefs that are listening to this, going, okay, you know, I went through it one way, you know, I, I hear all these changes, I understand the process, and maybe the why. I'm curious from your standpoint, uh, you know, involved in the section, involved in the process, how is this benefiting those chief officers when they come out? I mean, what what's better for them with this version than the version they that we were on before? And and also, you know, what's what's better for our departments? What do we expect to see here in Rogers and all across uh, the country from this new and improved DFO program that that maybe wasn't there before? In your opinion?
3: Yes, sir. It's comprehensive. You know, uh, the the EFO program to any student that's gonna enter, um, you know, that, that'll get their acceptance letter uh, next month, uh, they're not gonna, they're not going to be able to appreciate what the program was behind them. Um, certainly, you know, just the way that, that whenever I entered the program in 2010, um, uh, it was, I, I can't appreciate what it was before then. So I think the thing to, to really digest there is just like the fire service and, and all emergency services throughout the decades, um, we continuously improve, you know. Especially agencies and individuals that subscribe to um, continuous improvement models, they, they'll certainly be able to appreciate that. As far as the direct benefit to individual, I, I feel very strongly that the cohort concept and the in the evolution of the EFO program, the cohort concept is going to have them walk away with a, a nationwide, at minimal, if not an international network of uh, professionals that they can rely on, and and that's one of the concepts we wanted to really um, try to inject into EFO from the, from the Bessey program that the I chief supports, um, is is that cohort that 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 bonding of 20 to 30 individuals throughout a very intense process, a very intense learning process, forging that relationship with so many other individuals. Um, we expect will broaden their network, but also increase uh, cohesion throughout the nation and internationally, potentially. That's one of the direct benefits to individuals. The direct benefit to agency is the concentration of research. So in the previous version of EFO, um, with with four different applied research projects, basically, you know, Chief, you'll you'll, uh, appreciate this. We were spreading the butter very thin across the the bread, if you will, and we think... (laughs) We think with the new version and concentrating on one thesis level paper that that includes an oral defense um, I, I don't want to say that in a way that intimidates anybody but in some respect it should slightly um, intimidate them to the, to the level that you know you, you don't just throw paper in and, and hope you get into the program there is going to be work involved and it's and it's going to be um, high-level uh, research that that benefits the, their department their agency their community directly because, Instead of spreading the butter all the way across the bread, you're going to see a big pat of butter right there on the bread, and then you decide where to apply that butter on the bread. So uh, hopefully that, that's a that's a not too ridiculous of an analogy, but that concentrated research is really what is going to benefit their agency and, and ultimately the
2: USFA. Hear, hear. <laughs> I love how cheap I'm just I hungry put that out. Now. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking <laughs> there goes my carb intake and my fat intake for the day. <laughs>
1: Well, that's that's great, and I, I have no doubt that this is resulting and going to result in, in a future leadership that's ready to to manage and, and excel uh, against the challenges of the future. So, um, this is great stuff, and thank you both for for offering this up and helping us understand. So, we always like to give our listeners a a couple takeaways um, before uh, before Tom. Um, closes us down for this episode so I will throw it out to you in in any order you want but can you each give us a couple takeaways that you think would be good next steps or things for people to consider as it relates to what we've talked about today uh, moving into the future.
2: Chief Hyde do you mind if I jump in? Please do. So application period opens for the new EFO January 2020. It will close on May 15th 2020. If you're considering it Throw your hat in the ring. It will be worth your effort. It's an exciting time. Um, we we hope to see folks' applications come in again. January 2020 closes on May 15th, 2020 for the new EFO.
1: So that that is that is a great takeaway, and and that is that is really the crux of the uh, of, of the opportunity here. That uh, get get in and get it get your applications in and be a part of this because some exciting things are gonna gonna be happening in in the future so thank you um, for that input
3: Here, in chief hoover's parting words i just wanted to to close out myself and and say that i encourage anybody that's listening to this not not just yourself just encourage coworkers, friends colleagues throughout any network that you may have uh, understand that, that this next evolution of, of efo is not an evolution to them this will be their efo program and it should be something that they're excited to apply for should be uh, excited to be accepted to and, and it should be something that they're excited to complete. It's it is uh, a, an immersive experience that I think uh, the next generation of upper leadership in the in the United States Fire Service uh, should strive for and, and look forward to. They should be uh, compatriots through it. They should be excited, and they should and then their communities should support them through the entire process because they're going they're going to benefit uh, through their their detailed research that uh, affects not just the USFA but their local community as well.
0: Well, I think both of you have done a wonderful job talking about the EFO program and like Sheldon, uh, Pointed out, uh, you know, it's important. It's in the DNA of the fire service now, and it's something that I'm very thankful is more and more common. You see it in job advertisements, you see it in in people's credentials, and so it's something that uh, people people are proud to to get through. And certainly, it's uh, you know, it's a it's a feather that um, that indicates that people care both about management and leadership, as you pointed out, Chief Hoover. So thank you both of you for joining us. Joining. Um, Sheldon and I, and uh, and what is our third IFC podcast series, Chief Chats. I think that uh, you've done a a wonderful job and set the bar. So uh, to all of our listeners, uh, we look forward uh, to you joining us for our next podcast uh, next month, where we'll be talking in depth with some subject matter experts about firefighter health and wellness and what best practices you need to be doing in your department To make sure that you're taking care of the women and men uh, that are doing uh, the wonderful work out there on the streets. Thank you for joining us today.
2: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.